You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. It's a lead play in our, in our offense. We ask our YN or a tight end to open up somewhere between six feet and nine feet. Get an isolation with the, with the linebacker. Tell the tackle to take the defensive end if he's over him. If he's not, to drive down on the first man to his inside. If the YN has the linebacker taken out, he cuts inside. If the YN has the linebacker in, he comes all the way around. Hey, what's up, guys? Welcome into Packers Total Access. My name is Clayton. You can check us out on Packernet.com. You can find me on Twitter at Packers underscore access. You can email us, Packers Total Access at gmail.com. Text us, 865-658-5824. I'm joining alongside the great Paul Brettel in a snowy Green Bay, Wisconsin. You guys got some weather about the roll through. Is it already there, Paul? Is it is it on you already? So we had something roll through on Tuesday, maybe five or six inches or so. And then we got another one coming starting Friday morning. They're saying anywhere from six to 12, 40, 50 mile an hour wind gusts. So hunkering down. If that happened down here, Paul, I'm just telling you right now, there will be no milk and bread. And every single Washington County, Tennessee citizen that doesn't know how to drive would think they need to be on the road. I guarantee, yeah. I guarantee. So that's usually how it goes down here in the South. But uh, anyway, hopefully you guys are staying warm up there. Everybody's staying safe, uh, bracing for the storm. I know we were talking a little offline too. Kansas City, uh, Saturday night, you know, the matchup between, of all people, the Dolphins coming up from wonderful Miami, Florida, into negative 30 wind chill, I believe. So, man, that's going to be interesting. Uh, let's go off cuff already, Paul. What's other than the Packers Cowboys, which obviously we'll dive into. I also want to get your take on the Bears. Um, what other matchup this weekend just kind of pops off the off the screen to you? I know I'm kind of I'm kind of eager to see CJ Stroud play his first playoff game, you know. But uh, is there anything that's intriguing to you other than the Packers game? Uh, I, I would agree with a couple of uh, ones that you listed so far, just to see how CJ Stroud does. Uh, Tampa Bay and Philadelphia, honestly, just to see because obviously we know how things are trending with the Philadelphia Eagles right now. Like the, yeah. could that be one of those kind of potential upsets out there? Uh, just the way those two teams are trending at the moment. And then Miami and Kansas city, I mean, Tyree kill being back. And then you got Jared Goff and uh, Matt Stafford going up against each other. Just a you know, a couple yeah. of odd, how that works out on some of those times, but I'm just excited for all of it, to be honest. Yeah. It's, it's the only time that I really get to sit in front of the big screen and and watch a football game because typically if the Packers are playing, whether it's a 12 o'clock kickoff or the 3 mm-hmm. o'clock kickoff, I'm kind of here in front of the computer ready to cover mm-hmm. it, you know, take notes, chart the game, yeah. all that. So when you got a game where there's no, you know, there's no Packer game and it's other like high-quality football like that, man, it's just going to – I get to be a fan. I'm so excited. Exactly. <laughs> so – and no stress. That's always fun to watch yeah. football with no stress. But uh, – uh, appreciate you joining us tonight, though. Again, this is Paul Brittle from Packers Wire. Um, always a blast having you on here, man. Um, the Bears game, I'm just going to give you the floor. I know I had a blast watching it and uh, loved seeing the defense step up for for Joe Barry's sake, for Matt LaFleur's sake, and even for the players, obviously. And then just, man, Jordan Love. I don't want to steal your thunder, but just what a great way to end the season. Yeah, no kidding. So there's two 
two paths will go down here. One, Packers controlled the line of scrimmage. And although these teams from week one to week 18, both of them very, very different teams, that element was very familiar throughout week one and week 18. The Packers dominating the line of scrimmage. They did a really good job. I feel like the interior defensive line's been playing a lot better as of late. And after the game in the locker room, the midst of the the cigar smoke and all the yelling. I was, I was chatting with Kenny Clark and asked him, you know, do you feel like your position group in particular is playing its best football? Because obviously at this time of the year, that's what everyone's striving for. And he he feels like they are. And I feel like the on-field results are, we're seeing that as well. And one thing that he mentioned that I feel like is forgotten about, about that position group, but even lump the edge rushers in there is the youth. Now, obviously it's not the extent of wide receiver of tight end, but you have guys like Clark and Gary and Smith, but you count Lucas Van Ness at edge. You have three rookies along the defensive front seeing significant playing time. You have two yeah. second-year guys in Wyatt and Enag Bari seeing significant playing time. TJ Slayton's in year three, but this is his first stepping into that starting role. And so when we talk about position groups, players starting to trend in the right direction, playing some of their best football at the right time, you look at a position group, I won't call it young, but relies heavily on younger players. And that could be something that's happening there as well, because last two weeks, they've done a really good job of generating that interior push, help keep Justin Fields in the pocket. This Bears team was one of the best at running the football, averaging 4.6 yards per rush. Packers held them to just over three in that game. I thought the edge rushers in particular had one of their best games, just in terms of setting the edge. I thought they did an excellent job from start to finish. Other side of the ball, uh, same thing from the Packers offensive line. Obviously, Aaron Jones is he's Aaron Jones. But if we look at the Carolina game and then look at the Bears game, both games, Aaron Jones averaged over five yards per carry. Both games, Aaron Jones had over 100 yards. But the running lanes that were there for him against Chicago versus Carolina, like I felt Carolina was Aaron Jones really just being Aaron Jones, making something yeah. out of nothing on some occasions. But I thought in the Bears game, Green Bay did a really good job up front of carving open um, some running lanes for him to take advantage of. And same thing, this has been a Bears defense that was averaging only 3.7 yards per carry or giving up that much defensively this season. So offensive line seems to be playing some of their better football as well. With yeah. Jordan Love, obviously we've seen the the on-field stuff, so I'll, I'll take it in a little bit different direction. Just reflecting on this season and how it's went, you know, he really – from who he is as a person was really the perfect quarterback, the perfect person mentality, how he operates to navigate and be the leader of this team. His even keeled, you know, seems unflappable at times when things are going bad, when things are going good, you're going to get, you're going to see the same guy. And for all the highs and lows that this team's had, all the chaos that was going on around him early on in the season, just kind of having this steady force at the most important position, I think was really, really valuable. And when we look at the off-field contributions that he's made to this team, uh, you know, Bo Melton mentioned, I think Bo Melton said in the weekly dinners for the offensive side of the ball at Love's House, and we learned that that was, I think, two or three. Right. But nonetheless, that effort. On Tuesdays, a typical off day in the NFL, getting together with the skill position group to watch film. So Love can sit there and talk through with them. Here's how I want you to do this. Here's why. Here's how you should react to this in this situation. Just those those learning experiences. Uh, wide receivers coach Jason Vrabel talking about how throughout the summer, throughout the season, that when uh, one of the wide receivers made a mistake, a drop, ran the wrong route, it was always Jordan Love who was there 
to put his arm around them and say, Hey, pick your head back up. I'm going to need you. I'm coming back your way. Like individually, those things might seem small and perhaps to a degree they are, but you add that together, like guys fight for that type of teammate. The guy who's doing those extra things, especially when it's your quarterback, when it's your, your on the field leader and looking back at that losing streak that they were going through and even the ups, other ups and downs that they had being in that locker room, there was this unwavering confidence in Jordan love from his teammates. And at the time, you know, you don't know what to make of that. Is it just, well, they're not going to sit here and tell me what's going wrong. Obviously, you know, is it coach speak? Is it player speak? But now that you get to the end, you see how things turned around, you see how it all unfolded and you do look back and go, that was a belief. It wasn't a matter of if it was going to turn around, it was when, and maybe admittedly, we, nobody knew when when was, but they knew that they had the right person there to help lead the way that they would navigate through the inexperience that they had, learn as a group, learn together, grow together. And I think that's the culmination of all of that has been, again, not everything, but I think a important part, I'll say, into the turnaround that they've experienced, the momentum that they're building, and just where they where they are as a team right now. Yeah. What you said about Hart and, and like the team wanting to play for the quarterback, because it is, I mean, there's no denying it's the most important position in the game of football. I think we would all agree. Um, think back to Brett. You know, I watched that Reggie White documentary here recently, Minister, Minister of Defense, and, mm-hmm. and he, him talking specifically like, him separating Favre's shoulder the year before and Favre finishing the yep. game drew him to come play in Green Bay. And his teammates rallied around a young Favre. Aaron, when he got there, when, when Aaron took over, obviously, he was holding those same type of dinners at home. They were actually doing Bible study and stuff back then. I remember John Kuhn talking about it. And it was this breath of fresh air because Brett had grown older and spent time with the family and wasn't really spending time with, with the guys anymore. And you see Aaron kind of drift away. And now Jordan's stepping into that role. And something special happens when you're playing for each other. And it's what Coach LaFleur's talked about time and time again, right? It's, you know, some of the, the best teams in the history of, of any sport are player-led teams. And all, all mm-hmm. it made was the Vince Lombardi quote. He said, uh, it's essential to understand that the battles are primarily won in the hearts of men. Men respond to leadership in a most remarkable way. And once you've won his heart, he will follow you anywhere. It's just there's something special happens. I know – the path straight to a man's heart is through his stomach and you have someone over for dinner. I know you're winning me over first of all, but just breaking bread and having that time together. It's so important. It's uh, what a blessing it is. Youngest team in the league, youngest Mm -hmm. team in NFL history to make the playoffs too. Right. Did I understand that correctly? So so. the sky's the limit. And immediately you think if they don't let it go to their head and then you go back to love and how he's carrying himself, it's like, you got a you got a perfect example right there of someone who's even kill, not gonna get too high, not gonna get too low. I'm excited about the future for sure. Um, as far as Dallas, let's jump right into it. We did a breakdown last night, kind of deep diving uh Dallas's defense and and you know, some of the tendencies. Obviously, what we came away with is they're I think 20th in EPA against zone run. Um, they play a ton of man coverage, obviously. I think mm-hmm. second most in the league. They play uh, a large majority of middle field close, obviously single high safety looks, and that's post-snap, you know, rotation. So essentially what you come away with is cover one man, cover one drop, little cover one robber, and they're susceptible to the zone run. 
So that's kind of our scouting report that we came away with, like, hey, this might be the way to attack here. When you're going into this game, and it doesn't have to specifically be offense, just giving you an example there, mm-hmm. how do you see this? What are the keys for the Packers, both on offense and defense, going in against Dallas? Because, Paul, this is a lot different than the Chicago Bears. I think we would all agree, right? Yeah, 100%. And and I agree with what you said uh, from the Packers' perspective on offense in terms of what to look for, and that's kind of going to be the center of at least that side of the ball. I think running the ball is going to be huge. We all know the importance of it, but the Dallas defense – like overall against the run this season in a couple of key categories, they're hovering around average. But in their five losses, I saw this tweet and I apologize, I can't remember who put it out there. But in their five losses, in three of them, they've given up at least 150 rushing yards, over 200 in two of those. In the fourth loss, they gave up 109. Like that's been the formula for other opponents of Dallas to be able to come away with the win. And you can see why in that regard. I mean, look at their defensive front. It's Micah Parsons who they'll move around. Matt LaFleur has been very complimentary of obviously Parsons, but everyone else that they have on that front as well, that it's not just Parsons that you got to worry about trying to limit or take out of the game. And having that run game element can at least help negate the pass rush's ability a little bit. I asked Elton Jenkins about this. I think it was after the after the Kansas City game, just from his perspective as an offense lineman, when you got the run game going, what does that do for you, you know, in the passing game? And he says it, it gives them a bit of an advantage because there is that, you know, there is that slight hesitation from the pass rusher when it's second and three and you could run the ball, you could pass the ball, you do play action. Like it's not just Ten years back, go from point A to point B to get after the quarterback, and we all know in the game of football that split second, like that's all it, that's all that it takes for you know in the passing game for a window to open, in the run game for a blocker to get the upper hand from a positioning standpoint. So having that element going for the Packers is going to be really important. Jordan Love has talked about how then it opens up opportunities in the passing game as well. You utilize play action where the Packers have been really, really efficient, really, really effective this season. And against that cover one uh, defense that Dallas utilizes, and it, it was early on in the year, but Christian Watson, I forget what opponent they were talking about, but he was talking about how they play a lot of man, and this their, their receivers have found a lot of success against man. So if this Packers offensive line can get the run game going, can give Jordan Love some time in the pocket, I think there's going to be the opportunity there for the Packers receivers to win those one-on-one matchups because this Cowboys secondary is very, very aggressive. Uh, they're ball hawk and they, they will attack the football. And obviously something that you have to be mindful of. But as we saw last year in the passing game, because that Dallas game, and I understand, completely different year, different players, all that stuff. But that was when Christian Watson had his breakout game. It was also the game where A.J. Dillon and Aaron Jones combined for, I think, like 37 carries, 210 rushing yards. So, was it really? I didn't, yeah. I didn't remember that. It was a big, big-time running game for Green Bay. So I think you're going to kind of see that similar, or at least looking ahead, that feels like that could be kind of a similar path to success for them. And also when you're able to run the ball, you're able to control the clock. You're able to control time of possession. You're able to limit the number of opportunities the Cowboys offense has who's averaged almost 30 points per game this season leading the NFL. So on the defensive side of the ball, I think that's where it starts. you got to get after Dak Prescott. And we talked about the interior defensive line playing some of their better football. The pass rush has been more effective at getting home in the past few weeks. Like They are absolutely going to have to continue that trend because if they're unable to get after the quarterback and Dak Prescott has time back there, I mean, he's CeeDee Lamb is you know as, as, about as tough as they come to – 
have to cover for three, four seconds at a time consistently over and over and over again. So for me, that's where it starts on defensive side of the ball. And then if you can get after Dak, you know, hopefully it can lead to a turnover opportunity that this defense is going to have to have to capitalize on. Cause it feels like with how just efficient effective this Cowboys offense has been, there's going to have to be some element where the Packers find success in the ground game. So they just limit the number of possessions in the game just to keep it, you know, somewhat lower scoring, or they're able to take a generate a takeaway or two and maybe get a score or two off of it to, you know, put, put themselves in an advantageous situation. So looking at it, those are kind of right now, my key elements, key aspects to this game for the Packers. Got it. Love it. You know, you mentioned, you know, the cover one man we just talked about. I pulled a statistic here. According to SIS, this is receiver rating uh, for the Packers, just the Packers roster. And I sorted it and removed all zone coverage. So versus man, if this is correct, according to SIS, uh, the leading receiver rating, which is essentially passer rating when targeting this receiver, um, which obviously would have been Jordan Love all year with the exception of one Beautifully thrown ball by Sean Clifford there uh, later in the season. But Romeo Dobbs leads the way at 114.5, and second is Aaron Jones. So I think, you know, when you talk about the running game possibly having a big game, um, or at least that kind of being the game plan going in, look for those angle routes too. Look for a little screen game, which correct me if I'm wrong, Paul, but do you, do you feel like we haven't used the screen pass much this year? It just seems like. I can't think of very many occasions where it's like, yeah, man, the screen we've, I'm talking about tailback screen, obviously the T screen, um, you know, obviously we've used some smoke screens, tight end screens, things like that. But is it just me or have we been kind of, kind of laying back on the, on the halfback screen this year? I would agree with that. And I imagine it has to do with a lot of just Aaron Jones availability, not being there. Obviously, I think that it's going to be more of a play design for him than AJ Dillon or any of the other backs. So I, I agree with you and I would probably attribute it just to the, to the injuries and that he's worked through and just not obviously being on the field for the entire season. And one other path I want to go down, cause you're we talking about Micah Parsons and just the pressure that, you know, he can generate by PFF's numbers. He's leading the NFL in pressures, 103 for the regular season, but Jordan love has, been really, really good. I know Micah Parsons can be a different beast, but it really, really good under pressure. And I wrote about this over at Packers Wire. As I it was after week 12 when the offensive position coaches, so after that Lions win, uh, the offensive position coaches were talking, and that's when Tom Clement started talking about where's Jordan Love improve the most. And he talked about his decision-making when under pressure and referenced that 22-yard uh, check down uh, past AJ Dillon in the Lions game that he ran for 22 yards. I think he hurdled someone yeah. uh, on that play. And Tom Clements was talking through. He goes, "That was a play that was designed to go downfield because the pressure got through. The opportunity wasn't there for that play to develop. So Jordan Love, with the pressure in his face, took the check down. And it seems in the moment, and even describing it like a simple thing to do, a simple thing to execute on." But when Clements was asked where he's improved the most, it was his decision-making and knowing where to go with the football in that situation because that was something he struggled with early on. In the article I referenced, I think through the first eight weeks of the season, Jordan Love was completing around 41% of his passes when under pressure. Since week 14, it's been at, I believe, 61%, and that's the sixth-best rate in football during that span. Doesn't have any interceptions. And just look back at that Vikings game and that, uh, Bears game in particular to end the season. Like 
this is a quarterback right now who's in just complete control. Doesn't matter what's going on around him. Doesn't matter if a blitzer comes through. He knows exactly where to go with the football in those instances. His ability with Josh Myers as well in their communication pre-snap to get everyone set with the original protection adjustment, you know, that Myers is calling out to blockers based on the personnel, defensive alignment that the defense is in. And then Jordan Love's ability to make uh, protection adjustments based, his hard count's gotten a lot better. Um, just the late movement that the defense does, like they've been really, really good in that area. And it, the trickle down of that is someone who just absolutely knows where to go with the ball. If the pressure is going to come through, it feels like Love absolutely knows it's going to come from this gap. And if it does, I'm going this way with it. Like, just in complete control. And so I wrote about that. I reference it here because again, just who they're going up against that uh, Cowboys pass rush, Micah Parsons, like his ability to handle that and handle it effectively is probably, especially at times going to be a key part of this game in terms of how the Packers fare offensively. Yeah. It makes sense. You, you point out the AJ Dillon uh, completion there. It's totally different too. Like on that specific play, it sounds like it was a read it out play where you're literally going one, two, three, check mm -hmm. down. But in that case, it was probably one pressure check down. That's huge. Mm -hmm. Absolutely huge. It's taking that, taking what the defense gives you to the, to the next level. That's awesome. That Tom Clements, man, what a, what mm -hmm. a godsend, what a godsend that man is. Just he's the become the new quarterback whisperer for sure. I know you mentioned Micah Parson. We'll let you go here. I know you got a lot to get to, but I actually pulled the pressures earlier. Minimum 40 pressures, and you're right. Micah Parsons leading the league at 20.6%. That's just absolutely wild. Mm -hmm. percent of the time he's getting pressure on the quarterback. To put that into perspective, gang, um, Rashawn Gary, 16.3%. I think we'd all agree he's our best pass rusher, right? So mm -hmm. out there just doing miraculous things. Even, I mean, when you look at Aiden Hutchinson, always having, you know, TJ Watt, another one, 17.7%. He's, I mean, almost 3% higher than TJ Watt. Micah Parsons just built different. I, I didn't want to be the one to say this is Lawrence Taylor 2.0, but that kind of feels like Lawrence Taylor 2.0, doesn't it? Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only, exclusions apply. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now. Introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. 
Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. And, and they'll move him literally everywhere along that defensive front, wherever they feel they can get the best matchup, wherever they feel they can get the one-on-one matchup. So when it comes to Micah Parsons, this isn't just, uh, you know, Rashid Walker, Zach Tom, and the tight ends trying to figure this out. Like, we'll see him at linebacker. We're going to see him lined up over the interior offensive line. Like, it's going to take everyone on this Packers front to be able to contain him. Yeah, absolutely wild. I'm going to let you go. I got one more question, Paul. I got. I swear, I, I look forward to this conversation every single week. Um, the big news today: Bill Belichick. Um, the thought of Bill Belichick, Pete Carroll, both looking for jobs is just. It's such a 2024 thing, isn't it? <laughs> like, just wow. What, what what's your take on that? Just real quick. Yeah, I, I mentioned it earlier today. Just the the coaches that are available. Like, I mean, I would even obviously not in like Pete Carroll, Bill Belichick territory, right. but like even like Mike Vrabel being yeah. out there as, as an Another. option for for teams. Um, you know, the the Pete Carroll one, I think like many probably surprised us the most just because that one seemed to really come out of nowhere. Where Belichick, there was some some speculation, but I mean, end of some eras. I guess it all all has to come to an end end at some point, right? But you just <laughs> you, with them, you kind of never knew when it was going to be, and then you throw in Nick Saban. At, at Alabama, you know, yeah. stepping away and retiring as well. And it's just, it's baffling. Like I said, I think you just kind of put as the end of some eras, like some really, really long tenured coaches. And I, I might, I might get this number wrong, but I think I saw someone say Matt LaFleur is like now the eighth longest tenured head coach in football or is he really, it was something like that. Don't quote me on the eight, but it was somewhere right. like around the top 10 mark, which is oh. insane to think about. <laughs> <laughs> it really is. It really is. Um, one question here from uh, Packer up in the chat. Thank you, buddy. He said, Clayton, any news on Romeo? I meant to ask you when I showed the man coverage stat. I know they had briefly mentioned earlier, it sounded like Romeo was a little guarded in his words. I don't want to put you in an awkward spot either, Paul. But do you have any any kind of update on that? Maybe any, I don't know, guess, I guess you could say? No, I don't have any sort of insight. Yeah, Romeo uh, wasn't, wasn't going to – you know, share what the specific injury was. All we know right now is that it's day to day. Um, you know, Matt LaFleur said that after the, or during the game last week, he did have to go to the hospital um, from the injury that he had. And he was back in the locker room by the time the game had ended. Uh, but so I think the fact that he was out there is obviously a, a good sign. Cause you just kind of hear that coming off the game and you're not really sure what to expect, but yeah, that's about as much as we have right now. So him, Christian Watson up in the air at this time. <clears throat> Christian Watson um, mentioned that going into last week's game, you know, they were trying to ramp him up. And in terms of his acceleration, getting to the speed that he wanted to, I believe was his his verbiage that he used. Um, he just never quite hit that point that the trainers and the medical staff felt comfortable with in terms of giving him the green light against Chicago. And he even referenced this week that when he came back from the first hamstring injury, I think against Detroit and Las Vegas during that stretch, that he was never quite 100% at that time either. So uh, he's taking it day by day, uh, likes to, you know, likes to 
think that the opportunity is there for him to get out there, but I think it's just going to be how he, how he responds from these, from these practices. And like we talked about earlier, going against that man coverage, like if you can have that speed element out there, even if it's for 50% of the snaps or whatever it ends up being like, that's really, really valuable and creating the spacing, creating opportunities for others, even if the ball doesn't go in his direction. Yeah. I'll tell you this. You haven't been on the injury list all year long. You've, you've been with us. It seems like every week and I can't thank you enough. It's been an absolute blast. Paul, let's keep this thing going, man. Let's keep it going. Right. Let's go upset them. So again, that's Paul Brittle from Packers wire. Can't thank you enough, buddy. Look forward to it next week. Hopefully you're available and we will hound you until you uh, agree to come on. So thank you so much, but we appreciate you. Appreciate Clayton. Take care. Yeah. See it. Now we bring in Tim from green Bay bracing himself for the, snowstorm about to blow through uh paul was awesome dude man I, I i love talking ball with that guy uh wanted to get his take on the romeo dobbs thing i was thinking about asking i thought romeo was pretty guarded in his words let's not ask packer up in the chat said hey ask about romeo we asked about romeo and he said i'm gonna be guarding on my words too i don't blame him one bit so no one really knows it sounds to me like he probably like ron said i think there's a good chance he'll go but i guarantee you coach Lafleur and that pr team met with romeo and said hey Let's just not even talk about it, okay? But, Tim, how you doing tonight, Bob? Doing good, man. Getting getting all ready. Uh, I caught the last few minutes of uh, Paul's segment and uh, already have like a half a page of notes. I love it. Just like, just even a couple of minutes, you're going to get some, some insight. And it's always yeah. great having Paul on the show. Yeah. If you really learn how to focus on, sometimes it's not what people say, but how they say it, too. And there's been a couple of times this year that I'm like, okay, he didn't give us, he didn't go too in depth on that. But if you really paid attention to how he said it a week or two later, I go, that makes sense now. You know, yeah. he's the man, he's the best. So uh, let's do this, man. We, uh, we, I've been kind of looking around here in the chat a bit. Just want to say thanks to everybody. We got a ton of people in here. Hit that like button for us so we can boost the algorithm and uh, help other Packer fans find this channel, find this podcast. We appreciate y'all hanging with us tonight for sure. Um, like Jim said, Romeo's out there running around, which is a good sign. I agree. If it was if it was anything too serious, too. I don't think he would have came, you know, he would have been in the locker room by the postgame show, right? So well, um, the, the fact that he's been limited this week is is good. You know, yeah. he's 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 not a DNP. He's he's limited. He's he's out there moving. It's a good sign. And that and that's what you want to see. If it's a day to day thing, it's a day to day thing. And, and if they don't want to get into specifics, then we got to respect that. You also got to remember, we're going into a, a hostile environment here. Playoff uh, football. You know, you don't want to give a, a team no. that you haven't seen at all this year any kind of intel as far as personnel or anything anyway. So, yeah, for Absolutely. all we know, Rome could be feeling great, you know, right. so. could be. And we need him, man. He's he's great against man coverage this year, that's for sure. Uh, Rob Demosky actually tweeted out, I said the bad word. I know people are mad at Rob. Everybody calm down, okay? Everything's going to be okay. We're all going to get along. Um, it is funny, though. I got I to I gotta share something with you here. Um, I was listening just now. Let me put this down. We'll get in the injury details. Obviously, everybody was upset with Rob Demosky's comments on uh, Jair Alexander earlier today. Um I don't. I try not to get into all that, right? And I'm gonna let you in on a little secret. Rob Domofsky's not a Packer fan. <laughs> it's almost as if he's just covering the team. Yeah. <laughs> here's the deal, though. Here's what I cracked up about. I was just watching Cheesehead TV, and I seen a clip come across Twitter of Aaron Negler and uh, Corey Banky, and Aaron Negler's kind of going to bat for Rob Domofsky, like guys, it ain't a big deal, right? And then. <laughs> Lo and behold, Corey Banky kind of 
climbs into, and he makes it sound like it's not a big deal. And then he just takes an absolute shot at Matt Schneidman and said, if any, if we need to be mad at anyone, I'm paraphrasing, we need to be mad at Matt Schneidman for his setup when he goes on his radio show. He said he looks like he's in a prison cell. <laughs> and I was just like, why is everybody so angry at each other today? We're in the damn playoffs. Like, what are we, what are we doing here? So, uh, Negler's the fans are mad at. Let me give everybody an update. I need to put it on the ticker. The fans are mad at Rob Domofsky. Aaron Nagler's mad at the fans, and Corey Banky's mad at Matt Schneidman. So, Corey Banky's mad at Matt Schneidman's background. <laughs> we, we need to we need to create the Packer fans slash podcasters pissed off power rankings. That's what we need. We need to kind of judge it every week, but. Uh, I, I don't know. I was just cracking up, man, listening to that that whole exchange. I it love was, all of it, even the stuff I can't stand. I love it. Why not? Right? It's right. going to be over soon. And it's going to suck. We're going to be sitting here going, exactly. what's on TV? Tennis? Uh, <laughs> you know what I mean? It's going to be horrible. We'll be flipping so, through the history books, man, reliving the glory days pretty yeah. soon. Anyway, let's get to the injury report. Um, Rob Domofsky, the man of the hour, <laughs> tweeted out, Packers wide receiver Romeo Dobbs didn't want to discuss specifics off of his chest injury that required a hospital visit during Sunday's game. He said he's, quote, feeling normal. He was a limited participant in today's practice. And then a tweet before that, Matt LaFleur said Jair Alexander had, quote, kind of a freak deal yesterday, stepped on someone's foot and rolled an ankle. Yesterday was a jog through. LaFleur said he's considered day-to-day, and they thought it was best if he didn't go Today, so that's why he popped up on the injury report. We now have the details on that. Jair Alexander did not participate today because of an ankle injury. Um, also, who didn't participate was AJ Dillon with the thumb slash neck. Okay, uh, we had Elton Jenkins with the knee slash ankle, which he was limited yesterday. I don't think he had a setback. We do this every week with Elton Jenkins. I feel comfortable saying that's a part of the plan. Limited, have him sit, rest up and then get them ready for the game on Sunday. That would be my best guess. I don't have any kind of inside information, but that's just kind of what it feels like. Um, Now, as far as the limited participation today, real quick, Romeo Dobbs obviously with the chest, Aaron Jones with the knee slash finger. I'm pretty sure we all agree he'll be good to go. Isaiah McDuffie limited again, so we may get him back into the fold. Jonathan Owens limited. I'm sure he's good to go. Uh, T.J. Slayton limited. Preston Smith limited. Uh, which was huge last week, Preston played. So I don't think there's anything to worry about there. And then Christian Watson limited, I think we would all agree. It's kind of a crapshoot with that hamstring. We don't know how it's going to act, right? Now, the fact that they're playing indoors, that might give them a little more confidence, right, into, okay, we can, we can you know, trust them to go there. But we'll see how that plays out. Now, on the on Dallas's side, limited again, or actually it was did not participate yesterday, was uh, Stephon Gilmore. Today he was limited, so they're trying to get him ready to go. Uh, also limited was Jonathan Hankins, and then uh, did not participate was Zach Martin, the guard, and that was just NIR rest. So he's good to go there, obviously. So Tim, anything you want to add there to the injury report? Anything stick out to you? I, I'm I'm thinking Romeo Dye's probably going to go, man. Yeah, like if we're if we want to go full on speculation mode, I would I would I would think that. I mean, it's do or die, man. It's win or go home. It's the playoffs. I mean, Rome's uh, one of those guys that's. Um, I, I don't know how to say this without sounding insulting, but he's tougher than he looks. You know, he's a pretty mild mannered, calm kind of dude. Um, but it's like there, there's a grittiness to his game. We talk about him, you know, being good in man coverage and, you know, the way that he is with contested catch, um, you know, passes and things like that. He's coming down with the ball. He's a physical receiver. 
uh, when he wants to be. Um, so I think Rome's tough. I think he's cut from that cloth. Um, and uh, I got to believe he's going to he's going to go. That may be why he's limited right now. Um, and as far as Jair, I mean, what what can you do? That kind of crap happens. You know, yeah. hopefully he didn't, uh, you know, hopefully he didn't like trip over Rob Demosky or something while he was walking <laughs> out. Or, you know, that you can, might be why everybody's yeah, mad. Jim. <laughs> or step, stepped on somebody's stupid phone charger cord or something, you know, like you, you never know, like the craziest things. That'll be just our luck, right? A freak little uh, NFI, you know, it's not even not even football related on a walkthrough day. It's like, oh, God. But um, there's going to there's gonna be a, a picture surface of Rob Domofsky tripping Jair Alexander. And, that, and then we're all going to know now why everybody's so angry. But, uh, Brandy Lewis in the chat. Good to see you in here, Brandy. She said Dobbs in his presser said ask LaFleur laughing emoji. So that's the proper answer right there for sure. Uh, John Walker in the chat said to Clayton and the gang, social media is not very sociable these days. I want to compliment you guys on a great podcast, fun, informative, and nice people. I look forward to each episode. Hey, we appreciate you, John. We look forward to you being in here, buddy. We try to keep things lighthearted in here and have fun. I want people to walk away from this podcast going, I'm in a better mood now, rather than, God, I can't stand those guys. (laughs) Yeah, don't take it too seriously, right? We're here having fun, right? That's it. And speaking of having fun, let's dive into it, man. Let's talk some Cowboys personnel. Uh, obviously we did their defensive kind of deep dive, right? Now we're going to focus on their offense. So I think we got plenty of time to do it. Let's get into it, Tim. First of all, personnel groups, okay? They're in 11 personnel, 61% of the time. That's 22nd highest in the league. Their EPA when working out of 11 is second in the league. So they're doing the large majority of their damage in 11 personnel from an EPA standpoint, okay? It's expected points allowed. So, or I'm sorry, expected points. What is it added? I've got my note here just to make sure I always screw it up. Expected points added according to SIS. So um, from a grading out standpoint, they seem to be more comfortable and more successful out of 11 personnel that they run 61% of the time. 21 personnel, they're in that 5% of the time. That's 13th highest in the league and their EPA is 12th, so borderline top 10, right there hovering around top 10. And then in 12 personnel, 15% of the time, that ranks 23rd in the league, and their EPA is 11. So even though they're so successful out of 11 personnel, which is one running back, one tight end, obviously a three-wide receiver set will trigger our nickel defense. Um, With that being said, they still – want to try to stay committed to that 21 and 12, right, and get those base looks as well. I'm sure they go empty quite often in that too. We all know in the offseason, one of the big topics, one of the big uh, moves was Kellen Moore getting let go by Dallas. Obviously, the Chargers picked him up. That didn't go as planned. I know many people were trying to say Big Mike doesn't know what he's doing down there, and without Kellen Moore, he's nothing. They let Kellen Moore go, and the team that Kellen Moore goes to doesn't even make the playoffs, and here Mike is with an MVP candidate quarterback once again. So I think we could put that to bed, honestly. But his reason for that was, listen, I've been in Kellen Moore's shoes. He's a coordinator. He wants to put up points. When you put up points, that gets you a head coaching job. I'm the head coach, and it's my job to win the game. And sometimes it's better to lean on the run to give your defense a break, right? So – you're seeing that this year, in my opinion. That's why you're seeing that 21 and 12, even though they're having so much success out of 11 personnel. So that's kind of how that sits. Obviously, you see the heat chart here as far as the efficiency um, on offense. We won't go through all those numbers, but everything is you know borderline red uh, and dark orange. 
they're just solid all the way across the board. I mean, when you look overall, second ranked, uh, early down, um, this is EPA per play, by the way. Early down, they're seventh. Uh, late down, they're second. Red zone, they're 11th. Uh, midfield, they're second. I mean, they're just top 10, no matter where they're at on the field, no matter what the situation. Big Mike, big coach Mike McCarthy got these boys humming down there, Tim. Uh, what do you think about the numbers there? Anything you want to add to that? Um, I think when we look at this, that we're going to see a variance um, in their personnel groups just, just because it's – you know, the unfamiliarity of, of these two, you know, we haven't really seen each other, both sides of the, uh, of the spectrum here. You've had Packers make comments about uh, just not really seeing a lot of, of film yet and that they're just getting to that same thing with uh, McCarthy and had mentioned that earlier um, that he's, you know, hasn't really seen a lot of uh, this year's Packers team. So I, I think you're going to see an effort to um, kind of skew that, you know, you want to, you know, you know what you've put on tape this year and you know what these metrics say. So I would look at Dallas probably switching things up a little bit. But I, I still think these percentages and these personnel groups are going to be within, you know, a few points of each other. You know, we may not see uh, them in 11 personnel 61 percent of the time, you know, but probably half the game, I would think. Um, and I think, you know, this is going to be a test for for our nickel D. You know, we, we've got to be on point um, come Sunday for sure. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. We got Pack Daddy, Ryan Slip in the house, said power ranking is actually a really good idea. Talking about I agree. <laughs> the, pissed, the pissed off Packer fan slash podcaster power ranking. C- complete with hot button topics that yeah. should not be dis- not be discussed. <laughs> <laughs> and when you get into the ranting too, right? Ryan's right. gonna be in the, rant, Ryan's gonna be in the top three every week. I'm just gonna go ahead and give y'all a spoiler, right? <laughs> when he when he gets on his rants, the guy the guys <laughs> the after dark literally is is the qualifier. He's already he's already there. <laughs> I imagine when he does his regular podcast in the morning, Ryan's just kind of hanging out, right? He's just chilling, he's got a cup of coffee, he's just you know, whatever, he's just just hanging out, relaxed. And when he does Packernet after dark. I imagine he's there with all of a sudden he's grown out like a two day beard and he's smoking a cigarette and it's just like, he's just like, what else do you got to add to the fire? And then the other half, he's just sitting there like, Oh God. Oh, <laughs> right. Oh my God. Stop talking. <laughs> I love it. Good to see you in here, Ryan. Appreciate you, buddy. Uh, Paul Robertson says Ferguson cooks lamb are their main targets in the passing game. Ever since they started getting lamb the ball more, their offense, has prospered, stop Lamb, and they will sputter. Hey, if if you're telling me you know a way to stop Lamb, sign me up, brother man. Um, now the question is, how do we do it, right, Paul? Um, it's going to be tough, man, because do we want to do what we tried to do and gave up the explosive plays there, letting Jai follow Lamb around, um, especially now that Jair's battling a sore ankle? We don't know how serious it is. Do we go back to kind of our traditional style defense, which – I think many people are still under the impression that we're just sitting in quarters and cover three all the time. And it's just not the case. I mean, I I need to pull that updated information up. I may try to do that by the end of the show. I'd like to see where we rank in man coverage this year, because I'd be really surprised if we're in the bottom five, we're probably right there in the middle of the pack somewhere I would imagine. But uh, yeah. What do you think, Tim? Uh, Outside of lamb. I mean, here we are. We we said we were going to talk about yeah. We're going to talk about their offense, right? I thought we were off topic here. Let me uh let me pull it up real quick. Let's go to our base defense against their twelve personnel, right? Let's just jump to eleven. We'll come back to base. When we look at their receiving core, 
it's pretty much just Lamb, man. You know, you've got you got Cooks a sixty nine point six, you got Gallup a sixty one point five. I can't believe he's still in the league. I feel I feel like that guy's one hundred and twelve years old. Uh, CD Lamb ninety one point one, the third highest graded receiver in the league. Like you said, Ferguson playing tight end seventy one point nine. It's going to come down to stopping Lamb and Ferguson. I put it this way. We're okay with the other two guys beating us, but let's don't go out there and just ignore Lamb. But what do you think, Tim? C.D. Lamb, pretty good year he's put together, man. Yeah, um, and that's, you know, that's clearly your number one. That's, you know, if you're going to, if you're going to follow someone or put someone hot, that's, that's the one you're going to, you're going to be concerned with. Um, But we talk about that, like with our personnel too, you know, sometimes other guys can eat just based off of the attention that a guy like C.D. Lamb's going to draw. And, you know, even if you, you know, take him out of a game, so to speak, kind of like we did with Justin Jefferson in Minnesota, you know, we really limited, limited him in that game. Um, but it does, it opens up lanes in other areas and, um, you know, big Mike's going to call a game. We, we're, we're, we're not, we're not unfamiliar with Mike McCarthy. So we're going to get the full gamut here of the Dallas offense. And, you know, regardless of what you do, uh, CD lamb's going to get his touches and he's going to get his yak yards and, you know, all those things. So, um, I really think we have to lean on what got us here, you know, which is uh, mixing it up and staying within that quarters concept, you know, but also not being afraid to mix in some man. And I think what was crucial against the bears was just the, the, the willingness of Joe Barry to just dial up the blitzes and to dial up different blitzes, Um, sending Quay, you know, mugging a gap, B gap, sending him off the edge, um, then pulling him back, dropping him back into coverage, things like that, mix it up. I'd like to see a little big nickel in this game. I'd like to see maybe even nickel nickel pressure, nickel blitz. Um, get creative because uh, you know you're you're going to have a lot of unscouted looks just because these teams aren't aren't super familiar with each other. So why not steer into that, lean into that, and and try and mix it up? But I think I think you're going to lean on the on the principles that got you here this far, and uh, just be willing to adapt. And as of late, you know. This defense and, 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 you know, led by Joe Barry has been making those changes. We were we were really, really upset earlier in the season when there was just the adjustments weren't coming or they were coming. They were too little too late. You know, you're making a, a second half adjustment with three minutes left in the fourth quarter. It's not it's not going to help you. So we haven't seen that uh, as of late. You know, this this three game win streak that we're on right now, um, guys have uh, had a good game plan. They have bought in and they've been willing to adjust, and uh, that's going to be crucial against Dallas. Yeah, these numbers are right around where I expected them. Man coverage, we've ran 23% of the time. That's 21st in the league, so just a a few few spots there below the halfway mark, obviously not in the bottom bottom quarter there. So running a lot of man coverage, comparatively speaking, to previous years. Now the big thing is, you know, everybody talks about shell coverage, playing quarters, all that. We're actually playing middle field close, sixth most in the league. We're in middle field close 52% of the time. And for those of you listening, what that means is cover three or cover one man that we're in essentially 52% of the time. So we're not even playing shell. We're not playing those traditional quarters. I notice it when we get in the red zone and part, that's when we, you know, some of our best numbers are in the red zone. Uh, But, you know, the EPA versus man, not too bad there as well. Another thing, too, that I was just looking at that kind of caught me off guard, didn't really catch me off guard. I think it would catch most people off guard, talking about dialing up the blitz. We've actually brung five rushers 27% of the time. That's fifth most in the league. 
And uh, when you bring six plus rushers, we've only done it 29, uh, 29th ranked. That's 3% of the time. The EPA goes up a bit, but the EPA for five rushers is 27th in the league. So you got to be kind of careful with that. I, I like that we do that, though. Yeah, every yeah. once in a while, you just, you know, throw the kitchen sink at them. Just yeah, absolutely. You got to keep, keep them on their toes. And, man, that's you, you talk about trust in your secondary, man. You start you start getting getting up there, bringing six or more. Um, you know, you really got to trust your your corners and your safeties for sure. Yeah. As far as three rushers, you know, people have lost their mind when we've dropped those eight guys in the coverage this year. We've done it six percent of the time. That's not most in the league. So there are eight other teams that drop eight into coverage more often than us. But our EPA, when we do that, is better than uh, everything other than six plus rushers. Our EPA is 11th in the league when we do that. Now, some of that you got to take with a grain of salt because obviously you got to take into consideration the down and distance that you're probably faced when you're only dropping eight. It's probably a third and long. I know people hate to see it. Why are we playing so soft? Let's go after them. Um, but it seems to have worked when they've done that this year. I'm sure all of us, myself included, only remember the bad plays, right? Where you go, damn it, that never works. It's because that one's fresh on your mind, right? So, yep. um, anyway, pretty cool to look into those numbers. Let's see. Omer said, not allowing points lets you keep your job there, Joe Barry. Uh, just uh, don't let them in the end zone and you can come back next week. That's basically what he's saying. Uh, Doug in the chat says, Clayton with Kraft and Musgrave at full health. How much do you think we'll run 12 personnel and where on the field? Doug, I would love to give you a, an educated answer, but I don't know, man. Um, you know, when we kind of looked at it, I kind of felt like if they're going to go to dime, which they play dime almost as much as anybody in the league, I think second most in the league, they're going dime against 11 personnel. So when you go 12, they're probably going to go big nickel. So I would rather us stay in 11 personnel, keep them in their dime, and let's run against that dime defense. Now, if they change up and say, okay, we can't stop the run, we need a safety in there to fit that box, let's bring in big nickel, let's put an extra linebacker in there for the run fit, then maybe you change things up with some play action. But on the surface, um, I'm more along the lines of 11 personnel. I I'm as excited about the combination of Musgrave and Kraft, more excited than anyone. But it just when I have turned turn on the tape this year, I feel like we have the most success out of 11 personnel, you know, uh, it, it, maybe it's just the plays that I'm I'm breaking down because I'm really keying in on the scoring drives, the explosive plays, the crucial third down stops, all those things. Um, maybe that's kind of skewing my view a little bit, but I'm a big 11 personnel fan because you can still run out of it. And, you know, it's easier to run against nickel than it is base. And in this case, they're, pl they're trotting dime out there that explains everything that Paul Brettel was talking about just a second ago where it's easier to – it's a little bit easier to run on Dallas than other teams, right? And the teams that had success with them against them, they've ran the ball against them. I think they're recognizing the same thing. Hey, they're watching the tape and going, look, when we go nickel, they go dime. Or when we go 11, they go dime. Let's just run it down their throat and run them out of that. So um, hopefully that answers your question, buddy. I wish I had a magic answer there, but I don't. Kellen Moore, uh, Drew D says, Kellen Moore is actually the bet U.S. favorite for head coach for the Carolina Panthers. That's interesting. Very interesting. Hmm. Um you know, sometimes people do better when they're head coach, right, as opposed to a coordinator. We had that discussion about Mike Rabel last night. Um, and, and sometimes uh, it's the other way around. Sometimes you're like Josh McDaniels and you go, man, I win Super Bowls with Bill Belichick, but then I go be a head coach twice and I get my rear end handed to me. So, um, yeah, really, really uh, – <laughs> it, it's just everybody's different, you know. I know it's not a, a fun answer. It's not a shocking answer. 
But the game is just – it's such a game of inches. It's like some of these games – I mean, look at the Detroit game, Detroit-Dallas, right? Like it just takes one bad call by the official, and that outcome completely changes. And, you know, all I could think about that whole time was how – how Detroit went right down the field on that Dallas defense. And all I can hear was all those fans going, we want Al Harris, we want Al Harris. Kind of comes right back around to that conversation we're having. Like, maybe he would make a D.C. But uh, Dallas – Speaking of the officials, get ready get ready for Sunday, boys and girls. We, uh, we got What are you Ron trying Tolbert. to say, Tim? What are you trying to say we right got, now? We got Ron Tolbert, man, and his guys. So Ronnie's a yeah. good fish. <laughs> <laughs> you can't say that with a straight face. Look, you can't say that with a straight face. Hey, but at I'm least we'll you, there, there are some crews and some some head officials. I'll just say it like this: they they love being on TV. They, yes, they, they love walking out to the field, facing the camera, and and doing their you know Vogue or whatever you know doing the thing that they love it. And uh, yeah, I'll say it. Ron Tolbert's one of those guys for sure. So. Are you- now you're not convinced that we're we're not going to get a fair shake down there in Jerry World. No, I, I think this. Will, if anything, this will be one of those. Will each side will get equally screwed probably in this game. <laughs> um, so you know that that would be the one glimmer of hope uh, that at least uh, at least it'll be even across the board. It's all you can ask for, right? But uh, I, I I don't think we're going to see the type of game we saw uh, last week against Chicago, where we had no penalties through you know 85 percent of that game. Um, I don't see that happening Sunday. So get uh, get your popcorn ready. <laughs> it's going to be interesting. <laughs> get your popcorn ready to throw across the room. Yeah, basically. Exactly. Um, let's do a quick breakdown here. Their base or our base defense against their 12 personnel. Okay. Keep in mind, they may run 21 personnel too. This is just strictly showing 12 personnel. So let's start on the front. You got Smith at left tackle, the fourth highest graded left tackle or tackle, I should say, in the game, 83.8, strong, stout. Smith at left guard, 72.9. He's the 10th highest graded guard. Uh, you've got Biadio. How do you say that name, Tim? Can you read it? Because I can't. Let me take that. Oh, yeah. I, it doesn't matter. Yeah, it starts with a B, yeah. but their center, he's the 14th highest graded center in the game at 68.6. Uh, you've got Martin, Zach Martin there. Um, at 69.8. Of course, we talked about he's on the injury report, but it's NIR, so he'll probably be back, I'm sure. It's just a, kind of a veteran rest. 17th highest rated guard, so they're pretty stout uh, all the way across the board, other than right tackle where they've got Steele listed at 50.8. He's 75 of 84 tackles. So, so Rashawn Gary in. should eat, huh? Rashawn <laughs> Gary might get to eat a little bit this week. We'll see. wonder if um, he'll get held all day like he did last week. I don't know. More than but, likely uh, it'll happen. Yeah. God, don't get me started, Tim. Don't get me started. So, hey, you know, that's just a respect thing, though, you know? Like, I mean, what else What else can you do if, if you're going up against a guy like that, you know? I mean, right. Sometimes and, that's all you can do is hold him. And they coach that, too. Everyone in yeah. the league coaches. If you're getting beat that bad, we would rather you get a penalty than get our quarterback killed. Grab yeah. We don't need one of those watch-out blocks, right? You know what I'm right. talking about, too, where the, where the quarterback just hears a lineman scream, watch out. That's not what you're looking for, okay? We'd rather you hold. We'll take the penalty. But uh, with that being said, man, the, the only matchup that really favors us when we go across our defensive front, you know, Preston Smith, if, if they line up like this, we know we like to move them around a bit. But Preston Smith, 73.9. Listen, he's having a good year for Preston Smith, in my opinion. Kenny Clark, 68.8. TJ Slayton, 65.1. You've got uh, Devontae Wyatt, 62.3. And Rashawn Gary, 80.0. He is the 24th 
highest graded edge defender in the league. When you look at pressures this year, also minimum of 40 pressures, he's 13th in the league at 16.3%, right behind Nick Bosa, uh, Bradley Chubb, just a couple spots higher. He's in good company there. So uh, obviously he had a great first half. He struggled here lately. No better game to uh, crank it back up than against Dallas in the playoffs for sure. So that's how your defensive front kind of shakes up. So let's go to the inside linebacker position. Quay Walker is now a 61.2. Devondre Campbell is 65.3. Um, so really what you've got there, guys, if we're being completely honest, Quay's playing like a bottom-of-the-league number two inside linebacker, and Devondre's playing like a, a mid-level number two linebacker. So you haven't had, got great play out of the linebacker position, but we got to mention last week one of Quay, if not his highest – I think it was one of – I don't think it was his highest this year – one of his highest graded games last week. So let's hope he continues to build off of that. Let's hope Devondre Campbell continues to get healthier. I felt like last week he looked better than he has ever since he, you know, hurt the other ankle this year. So that's how that shakes up. Ferguson at tight end, 71.9. And then you've got a uh, schoolmaker, I think is how you say it, 50.4. So obviously Ferguson's going to get some looks there. Dak Prescott, second highest grade quarterback in the league at a 90.8. And then you got Tony Pollard, who is an absolute weapon back there at a 76.6. So the best of my knowledge, he's completely healthy. When we go to the DB room here, uh, let's let's replace one of the tight ends with uh, a wide receiver, bring in Gallup there on the outside. We kind of talked about it. They like to play C.D. Lamb all over the place. They really like him in the slot. Keyshawn Nixon, 59.8. Obviously, that's a matchup nightmare for the Packers if you're playing man coverage. Got to keep that in mind. Uh, in this situation, this specific scenario. And then at the safety position, Darnell Savage is now up to 66.3. I've ragged on Savage not to do any, not to say anything personal, anything like that, but just pointing out the fact that, hey, look, he continues to underperform. But look, he's playing better than any other safety in the room this year, you know? So, you, you can't you can't rag on him too much, right? He's grading out 53rd in the league at the safety position out of 99 right now. Uh, Jonathan Owens, 61.9. He's 68th in the league right now. So essentially when you look at it from a two-safety starting top 64 standpoint, Savage is playing like a mid-level number two safety, and Jonathan Owens has played like a uh, basically a third-string safety. So there's no – easier way to or no better way to put it according to PFF. Now, in the DB room in the corners, I should say Jair Alexander if he's is good to go, he's now up to 68.2. Uh he's grading out as the 51st best corner in the league. Like I said, Keyshawn Nixon 59.8, 83rd in the league, and then Carrington Valentine, a uh, 7th round pick there, rookie 57.594 94th in the league. So still Plenty of stuff you need to do in the offseason at the cornerback room, especially seeing that when Stokes was healthy, he came back and uh, and Stokes just did not look the same, right? And then they put him right back on IR. So um, I, I'm I, Stokes is going to have to show me before I say, hey, look, I, I'm, st I'm tired of talking about him like he's a first-round pick. I'm not trying to dog on him. But even before he got hurt last year, he's grading out in the 50s. We all gave the benefit of the doubt kind of like, listen, the whole defense was playing bad. Maybe it was just that. And then, lo and behold, injury, injury, comes back from injury, Duke, and then back on the injury report so, or on the uh, IR. So just got to kind of take a uh, step back and take a look at how everything plays out there. You can see why this offense is so good, Tim. They protect well up front. Dak Prescott's playing some of, if not his best ball of his, his career. CeeDee Lamb, same thing. Tony yeah. Pollard, still a weapon back there. 
and Ferguson kind of stepping into that tight end row, borderline creeping up on a top ten uh, grade there as well. But what do you think, man? As we get ready yeah. to wrap this thing up, not a lot of holes on that on that offense. You know, really, you know, right tackle. Obviously, we talked about that, and then you know, Gallup is not the player that uh, that he was. It is what it is. But I mean, you can't write a guy like that off either. He he, he can be a threat at any time. Um, I guess the thing that, like, looking at this right here, that really just is glaringly obvious is like, yeah, it's a legit concern when if they're going to line CD Lamb up in the slot um, with any kind of regularity, which I would assume they will uh, mix it up. You know, for lack of a better question, what what the hell do we do? Because I don't, as good as Keyshawn's been playing as of late, I, I, I do feel like this is not a knock on Keyshawn in the slot at all. We, we've been very open about our thoughts on him all, all year going back to training camp as far as uh, him being, you know, a serviceable slot corner. Um, I think he's been playing his best ball lately um, uh, in the slot. But, like, you know, I don't know. Is that good enough against CeeDee Lamb? And are, are we going to see a scenario where we are going to have, you know, situations where Keyshawn may, may be out on the boundary because we do have a switch and Jaw's going to line up with him in the slot? Or are we going to, you know, bring Savage into the fold and uh, just try to account for CeeDee Lamb every time he's in the slot? Because because I feel like, you know, honestly, our, our best chance of uh, being effective against him is when he's out on the boundary. And you can use that that sideline as your, your extra defender and you can try and play leverage on him and at least give yourself a, a shot. But when he's in the slot, man, he's so dynamic. And um, I don't know, I just wonder – you know, how we account for that, because those are, those are the things that I think uh, can kind of bite us in the butt, you know? Yeah. Yeah, it could for sure. Uh, Justin D in the chat said, what's the deal with Jair? He came in late, I guess. So if y'all are just tuning in, essentially uh, they said that uh, Matt Schneidman keyed up the Ken Shamrock entrance music and Rob Domofsky put Jair in an ankle lock in practice. And that's how he hurt his ankle. So, we're going to start spreading that rumor since everybody's already mad at Rob. We'll just throw some fuel on the fire there. You can hashtag fake news, but I have my sources, okay? So, uh, obviously, we're just joking there. Let's lighten it up a little bit, guys. I know everybody's nervous about the playoff game. I'm Tim, I'm not nervous a lick, dude. Like, what I'm a fired up, man. I'm what fired up. All we can do is go down there and shock the world. If they yeah. boat race us, it's, hey, youngest team in the league, you know, the pressure's on them. There's no two ways about it. That's right. Yeah. And right. uh, be excited. Look forward to it. I'm this is this is a magical thing, man. Youngest team in the league with a first year starter at the helm. Yeah. The pack is back. Job ja wasn't lying. I'll tell you. Yeah. I'll tell you. <laughs> you should have queued it up. I'll tell you this. Uh Derek K, he's got the right idea. He says John Deere Green on a hot summer night. I know who else is relaxed. I bet he's farming tonight. John Deere Green. On a hot summer night, he rode Billy Bob loves Charlene. That's how we got to roll roll into Dallas, man. Got to just everybody with cowboy hats on. Yeah, man, just you know, loose, man, loose. You know, trust yourselves. Trust trust the man next to you and in front of you, and you know, <laughs> believe in the game plan. Buy in. Go out there and be world beaters, man. You Shock know, Aaron, you know, Aaron Jones is showing up in that sombrero, Tim. There's no doubt about it. Uh, Doug in the chat says, by the way, I watched the session with Monson talking about Sam Monson from PFF. They did downgrade Jair on the play where he lined up too far off of DJ Moore, who ran the underneath route for a chunk. So they kind of seen it the same way we did, I think is what you're saying, Doug. 
Um, yeah, the, the people that are just brushing it off, just because they're watching the TV copy and they see the end of the play and they go, there's Quay. Joe Barry putting Quay Walker on DJ Moore. He's a moron. I'm like, please, no, guys, watch What you tape. should be seeing is you should be seeing Quay Walker doing his job, which is being the quarterback of that defense and knowing that if we got a busted coverage, it's on my ass to go out there and do it. Got to get know? it. Got to get on him. Yeah. Got to get it. And and what did we see? We saw effort from Quay Walker on that play. I mean, that really honestly could have been worse <laughs> when you look at that one. That could could have went for a heck of a lot more than, you know, 28 yards or whatever it was. So, yeah, for sure. John Schmidt, great question. He says, can you bracket in the slot? Best way to double there versus the boundary. Um, if you're asking, can you play bracket coverage on the slot? There's a couple of different things you can do. It just depends on the defensive play call. Now, if you're calling cover one man, uh, what you're essentially saying, if you want to quote unquote bracket them is have whoever is playing him in cover one man play one of two ways, right? If you go cover one man, you need to play underneath outside leverage and funnel him to the safety. And you can really have the safety post snap clamp down, right? And you can bracket that way. Um, if you're going to be showing some kind of too high look and you stay in two man, which they do very, very seldom. You guys know I pointed that out uh, a couple weeks back. We actually ran two men under inside the 10. And I was like, if this doesn't work, Barry's getting roasted, but it worked to perfection. You could tell, I can't remember which quarterback it was, but he was, he dropped back and was just like, are they playing with 14 defenders right now? You could just see it. Um, so I think Barry's done really good inside the 20 there personally in the red zone. But um, as far as bracketing the slot, it does make things difficult. The other thing, too, if you bracket that way, think about this. Put yourself in the mind of Keyshawn Nixon. C.D. Lamb's in the slot, and you're going bracket cover, and you know I'm playing outside leverage. I get help in center field, and he's really going to clamp down. He's not just going to play, quote-unquote, safety. He's really going to hammer down, and we're going to double this guy in a bracket look. Now think of your nickel who's playing outside leverage thinking of that, and they run the ball right at you. Yep. See the disadvantage? You're, you're already in a bad position because your first move is going to be get outside. And when you're in man coverage, you're looking at their hips. You're looking at their midsection. You're focused on them. You're like Coach LaFleur said, keeping your eyes on your work. You're not looking here. In zone, it's okay. Whether it's country quarter spot drop, cover three spot drop, or if it's zone match principles, your first look is the quarterback. You're watching him, got him, got him. If he breaks out, if and then, if he goes to the flat, then it's man coverage. If he crosses my face, then I pass it off. All those things come into play, but your eyes are on the quarterback and you're able to play the run a little bit better. Man coverage is a totally different mindset, especially when you go through the entire offseason preparing to play zone, and now all of a sudden you're in man midseason. But they played a ton of man this year. There's no two ways about it. If people want Barry gone, I get it. I think we can upgrade too. But to say his scheme doesn't work, we're not even running the scheme that we brought him in to run. We're, we have changed things up so much this year, it's hard to. And I think they've done a decent job considering how much they've had to change. Again, I think we're top 10 in scoring defense once again. Uh, I know we're – I'm almost positive we're top 10 in red zone defense. I showed you the numbers. They improved from pretty much every statistical category the year before – People were completely down on the run defense this year. Lo and behold, we're, we're allowing like 200 less rushing yards this year. Um, we've, you know, created more sacks, more pressures. The only thing that's really hurt us is the turnovers. And we've seen – I'm pretty sure, Tim, I feel comfortable saying that I've counted six dropped interceptions this year. Six. So, yep. uh, 
That hurts. Andy A. Pack in the house. Appreciate you, buddy. Always bringing the facts for us. He says number nine red zone defense. So, yeah, there you go, man. Um, again, though, boy, if if for some some reason, and you guys know I'm, I'm kind of this is tongue in cheek. I'm joking here. But if Belichick were to call up the floor and say, hey, man, I'd like to coach it. Uh, I'd like to coach it 1265. Joe, buddy, I don't know what you're going to be doing but you're not going to be D.C. anymore. Come on in, Bill. <laughs> Same thing with Wink, if Wink's on board with being the number two to LaFleur. problem with Wink is in Baltimore, something happened in Baltimore. He decided, I don't want to be here anymore. He goes to the Giants. Something happened there. He stormed out of the building and went to Florida. If everywhere you go, it smells like crap, might want to check your boot. You know what I'm yeah. saying? So uh, that makes me a little nervous there. But there are some other better young defensive minds, obviously. But we'll see, though, man. We might be looking up after Sunday, the postgame show, going, all right, guys, let's go on to the divisional round. You never know. That's but, right. Anyway, parting thoughts, Tim. Let's wrap this thing up, buddy. Let's stay on that right there. I mean, if you don't believe your team's got a chance to win, then what, what the heck are you rooting for them for, you know? I, I believe we can do it. Is it going to be difficult? Of course. Are we going to boat race the Cowboys? Absolutely not. Uh, I think a close game is going to favor the Packers, you know, and uh, there's a lot of truth to the thought of, you know, try the, the key to beat Dallas is, you know, Paul Brettle touched on it earlier talking about, um, you know, generate takeaways, man. You've got to, you've got to tilt the balance. You got to be plus one plus two against this team and try and get a defensive score, try and get any extra points that you can get and put on the board. And, and force Dak and those boys to play from behind. That's that's the best chance you're going to have. I'll tell you right now, this is definitely a game where we want the ball if we win the toss. I, I, I don't think we defer in this one. I think we put Jay Money and the boys out there and see if we can march down and put a tutter on the board to get started and, uh, you know, let our defense kind of pin their ears back and, and go as hard as they can because, you know, when it comes to this Dallas offense, man, we, we cannot uh, – cower in 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 that spotlight we cannot let let that moment be too big for us you know if i'm Keyshawn nixon and i'm i'm lined up on cd lamb one of the best in the in the business man i'm rerouting his butt every time that ball snap i'm getting oh. physical i'm i'm letting him know i'm there all day long i'm not playing off i'm not i'm not going to give you your respect and let you make a double move on me and and stick it to the boundary for 50 yards i'm not it's not happening you're going to know i'm here all day long. And that's, that's how we need to approach this. We can't, you know, we can't be, we got to be fearless. And like you said, a lot of pressures on Dallas, man, you know, they, they've been choke artists in the postseason um, for a while, yeah. and, uh, whether, whether that's at home or on the road. So, you know, I, I'm not going to say all the pressures on them, but certainly probably more of it. Um, and I think this young Packers team might just be so, they might be oblivious to all of that. You know, we can talk about the fact that this is a first, playoff game for a lot of these young players and first time playing in Dallas for a lot of these young players. Uh, they, you know, who knows? They, they might not even be distracted by this nonsense you know, they, they could be looking at this like, ah, it's another game. Let's go out and do our thing. Yep. See what happens. You know, I think you want to be loose and uh, you want to just go out there and play your best ball, man, and, and let the chips fall where they may. Yeah, definitely. I'm all about it too, man. If you're, if you're going to be aggressive, go big, right? Don't, that's the problem with what's happened with Jair and those explosives the last couple of weeks is there's not, you, you know, like last week, he wasn't all in on the deep, on the play call, right? It's, well, I'll, I'll, am I playing? Like, how do you not know that you're playing? Man, get over here. And then on the other play underneath, like we talked about the chunker, um, not being aggressive. 
You know, get in there, dude. Like you said, get smack them right in the mouth. If you're going to play press, if you're going to play man, you got to be aggressive. The young guys are doing it. Ballantyne's doing it. And and I'm, I'm not suggesting that they're telling them to get up there and play, you know, play physical press. But when when the call is man coverage, those guys are in position. They're where they need where they need to be, and they've really carried the load this year. But yeah, you get up there and play a little press, smack them in the mouth. Roadhouse. Make CD right. earn it. Make CD yeah. earn. It. And we know we're going to – hey, I'd be telling Keyshawn, hey, we're, you're going to have help. <laughs> you're going to have safety help over the top every every rip over there. So go up there and don't be intimidated. Press up if you have to because if you think letting a guy like CeeDee Lamb get a full head of steam and, and give him room to make moves is going to help you – like that's not going to help you. Playing soft on him, he's going to light you up. I, I'd rather I'd rather go ahead and be physical. Yeah, mix in a little press there. Why not? And if you get roasted and the safety helps late, it is what it is. Like you said, Clayton, right? Go big or go home. This is playoff football. All bets are off. Tomorrow's not promised. Just go out there and throw everything you have out there at them, man. That's that's your best way to, to even have a shot, you know? Definitely. This is kind of cool. John Schmidt, we'll wrap it up with this. John Schmidt in the chat said, 2014 Dez Catch Game is on NFL Network right now if you want to watch something after this. I'm in, John. You sold me, baby. What'd you say, Tim? You ain't gonna watch it. Today's the anniversary of that that game. The exact day. I, I believe so. The, I believe I seen so. All the picks today. So that Des had a tweet about it. You know, he he's still adamant. You know, the 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 anniversary of the catch. You know, when I changed the game forever. Blah blah blah. You know, I, I my message to Des Bryant is: you need to do what you did with the ball that day and just let it go, bro. Yeah, let it go because uh, you didn't catch it. <laughs> I was at that game. I was at that game. Uh, it was actually my wife's first trip to Lambeau uh, for a Packer game. So she got she got a playoff game and uh, the infamous Des Bryant catch game uh, or no catch game. Um, yeah. But yeah, man, what an experience, man. That was burned in my head. Uh, Sam Shields did get roasted on that play. I mean, we can't oh, yeah, deny absolutely. that. <laughs> but, uh, you know, it is what it is, man. I think the right call was made. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, I had a, a friend here in town, here in Tennessee, and he's a Dallas fan. And we had the conversation about it, and we broke it down. And I showed him freeze frame after freeze frame. I'm like, hey, tell me when he has possession. Well, he's got possession right here, Clay. Okay, then how does the ball move? Look it, at look at the one they called back on Bull. Right, exactly. Okay? Very similar type of scenario, other than the fact that Bull's never hit the ground. Bro, look at Megatron. Has one hit the ground. Megatron catches the ball, doesn't get touched, puts the ball against the ground to stand up, and it falls out of his hand. They call that incomplete. And you're going to try to convince me that someone falling down, juggling the ball, then slamming it on the ground and it bouncing up, you've got possession? Get away from me, bro. Listen, you lie to your friends. I'll lie to mine, but let's don't lie to each other because that's that's the biggest crock of BS when you, you're trying to convince me that's a catch. But I am a Packer fan. Andy Apac says, I need a Rashawn Gary legacy game. Yes, my jersey should be here any day, guys. I'm recreating it. I'm going to kill the cam here. Tim, sing for him for just a second. Uh-oh. You, you, I know what you're doing. Clayton's probably looking for the, All right, now looking for the patch. Did you, did you find the patch? I got it. So I got the John Madden patch is. from the Thanksgiving Day game. So I'm getting the authentic Rashawn Gary white away, and that's going to be sewn on. So we got a complete replica of his Thanksgiving Day performance that completely turned this season around. So I don't want to hear anybody in the chat dogging Rashawn Gary. He's just as responsible as Jordan Love for how this season – no, I can't say that. Jordan Love, this is all Jordan Love. (laughs) Are you kidding me? That kid 
is balling out, man. There's no two ways about it. Uh, last question, Doug, appreciate you taking the time to top it out. I'm going to ask Clayton to find out how effective the Cowgirls blitz is. I hear they're good rushing four, but if they don't get home, they can be had when they bring it. The only metric I'll be able to give you here, buddy, I'm going to pull it up real quick. It was under defensive identity, if I remember correct, Tim. We hit on it briefly. Let's see here. Bang. All right, let me kill my cam so you don't see my my nostrils here with my old self up in the uh, camera. So he's asking about the blitz, how effective they are at the blitz. Well, I promised him we're done after this. So when you look at their blitz, all right, three rushers, they do it 25, 25th most in the league, okay? So they, they don't do it very often, just three rushers. 31st in EPA. Four rushers, just a four-man rush, sixth in EPA. Five rushers, they do it seventh most in the league, right? So they blitz heavy with five rushers, fourth in EPA. And when they bring six-plus rushers, 26th in the league, they're first in EPA. So to answer your question, when when they when they bring three rushers, right, which is very seldom, I think we would all agree, they're 31st in EPA, not good at all, dead, pretty much dead last in the league. Four rushers, they're sixth. Five rushers, they're fourth. Six rushers, they're first. So to answer your question, they're good at rushing the quarterback. <laughs> they're good at blitzing. There's no two ways about it. Now, when they get pressure, which is 40% of the time, according to this SIS data on the 33rd team, it's just listed as pressure percentage, okay, uh, 40%. That percentage rank is fourth in the league. Maybe they're just talking about how often they bring pressure. Nonetheless, EPA, eighth in the league. So, yeah, Doug, they, uh, they're good at getting after the quarterback, buddy. I wish I had – other news than that, but uh, that's what the data is suggesting. So well, hopefully, thank that God Jordan's well. at the point where he's seeing it as best as he has all year. He's playing his best ball. He's not taking the extra hitch. He's not patting the ball. He's not standing in there getting killed like he was doing earlier in the season. I fully expect us to have some momentum offensively here. I mean, he's going to take that snap. He may be rolling right. He may be rolling left right away. Uh, ball's got to come out fast. And, yeah, we have to attempt to run. I mean, sometimes that's the best way to deal with the blitz, man, is to just, you know, use it against them and try and run away from it. You know, Matt LaFleur's got to be in his bag. We know that. If he calls another game like he did against Chicago, we we got a real good chance against this uh, elite pass, pass rush from Dallas. Definitely. Brandy Lewis in the chat says, Parsons will stunt inside a bunch. Brandy, they move him all over the place. Great eye with that. Yep. I, I'm telling you, it's just uh, he's – He's a dog. He can rush from anywhere, and and he doesn't. You know, some guys, it's like their left leg, they seem more coordinated with it and driving off of it. Others, it's the right leg with him, man. It's a totally different ball. I game. think of that Baldi's breakdown we went over, uh, I believe it was from the Detroit game, where we had we had like three guys blocking Aiden Hutchinson. You remember that? It was like we had like AJ hit him, and then you had, you know, we had a pulling guard hit him, and then we had, you know, our tight end hit him on, on one play. It's like we may need to see more of that. It's going to be, you know, blocking by committee, I think, especially dealing with Micah Parsons moving all over. You know, he's, you know, I don't know where he's a bigger threat off the edge or, or mugging up the middle, you know? Right, right. Yeah. And we got the ladies, man. They're they're bringing the thunder tonight. Obviously, Brandy in here. We got Carly in the house. We got Brookie in here. So good to see y'all in here. Appreciate y'all coming in and talking ball and actually adding some intelligence to us knuckleheads here tonight. So 
Good to oh, see everybody in the chat. Let's go watch that game on NFL Network. Want to tell everybody if you're a member of the PTA Posse, a YouTube member, um, we're going to be giving away during the post game show an autographed James Lofton card. Okay, so it's autographed by Hall of Famer James Lofton, played for the Packers in the '80s. So anyone who is a YouTube member by midnight Saturday, we'll put your name on a wheel. We'll spin it during the post game show and give that away. So uh, we're uh, still waiting to hear back from a couple people that we. Uh, gave away an autographed David Bakhtiari jersey. So um, that's that was the last piece of memorabilia we gave away. We like to do that for our YouTube members. So don't feel obligated to join, but it's just a way for us to, uh, you know, kind of give back to those who are choosing to support the channel and just show how much we appreciate y'all. So there you go. Brookie in the chat says, calling them cowgirls is an insult to girls. I agree. I completely agree. I love it. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, Brook is just fine. LOL. Now you're known as Brookie. You'll never get over it. All right. That's the way it is. All right. NDA Pack looked like he re-upped his membership. He said, I'm there gonna go. that card real quick. So appreciate you, Andy. You're awesome, dude. Let's get out of here, guys. Let's go watch that show. Let's go watch that show. That game, I should say. I'm uh, I'm eager to see that and just uh relive how the the cowboy fans absolutely lost their mind. But if y'all would on your way out, hit that like button for us so other Packer fans can find this podcast, find this channel. Appreciate you. Also, if you like this kind of content, scan that QR code in the upper right or just search anywhere you get your podcast, Packer Net Podcast, and uh, you'll find this show in podcast form as well as Ryan Schlipp's uh, Packer Net Podcast, the flagship show, uh, Packer Net After Dark, where it's a call-in show. You call, leave a voicemail. Ryan plays them over the air, and he responds to them. A uh, really cool show there. And then, obviously, we got Jake Shavink with the It's Always Draft Season podcast as well. So, appreciate everybody hanging out with us. We'll see you in the morning for Good Morning Lambeau as we get closer to game day. Uh, Packers, Cowboys, wild card round. Really looking forward to it. Tim, thank you for rushing in here, buddy. Appreciate you. Want to give a special shout-out to uh, our boy Paul Brettel for jumping on with us. Guys, go show him some love on Twitter. Make sure you're following him at Paul underscore Brettel and check out his writing over at PackersWire.com. Just a phenomenal man, and I love what he does for us Packer fans throughout the season and even in the offseason. So the content will not stop when it comes to Paul. So appreciate everybody. Thank you all so much. Uh, For those of you listening on the pod, thank you for making us a part of your day. As always, let's go out and be the change we want to see in the world and go Pack Go. The power sweep. Actually, it's the the lead play in our our offense. Yes, a YN or a tight end to open up somewhere between six feet and nine feet. Get an isolation with the with the linebacker. Tell the tackle to take the defensive end if he's over him. If he's not, to drive down on the first man to his inside. YN has the linebacker taken out. He cuts inside. The YN has the linebacker in. He comes all the way around. If you look at this play, what we're trying to get is a seal here and a seal here and try to run this play in the alley.